Cyflix 2022 is kicking off uh, on Thursday, the 24th of Feb. And the first film we've got coming up is The Martian. Um, and Cyflix is our collab between the Belgrave Cinema and uh, UNE Life and Tune FM, where we show films with science themes and we invite UNE researchers to come and talk about the science in the film. Now, The Martian is about um, a dude in space, but I feel like Soil is the real hero of the film. So I've got Associate Professor Chris Guppy and Dr. Richard Flavel uh, with us to talk about the science in the film. Thank you very much for joining us. No problems at all. <laughs> so I'd like to start by um, getting you guys to introduce yourselves and the kind of research that you do. So maybe, Chris, could you go first? I can go first. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a soil scientist. I was, I was snared in undergraduate agriculture uh, by a soil scientist who, yeah, he was pretty old. He, <laughs> he was in his last year before retirement and he'd been teaching for 42 years and his lectures were as dry as someone who is near retirement could possibly be. And yet the actual uh, soil is just simply amazing. The subject matter uh, The got subject you. matter absolutely got me and, and a, a, a new young soil scientist who'd just come back from Cameroon working with tropical oh. soils came in in the following year and, and um, nabbed me for a PhD straight oh. away and, and I was hooked, hooked on soil. Just soil is, I don't know, soil is negatively charged. It has all, <laughs> it's just chemistry on steroids. It's just, <laughs> soil heard, is awesome. So, I've heard you describe it as the earth's skin or have an The living like skin that. of yes. the planet, yeah. I think there was a, there was a scientist or, oh, who was it? It was probably it was some philosopher or something who said that uh, the only thing that uh, separates humanity from death is six inches of soil and the fact that it rains. And so you've got this thin, thin layer of, of life and charge and chemistry uh, that's just incredibly active. It's the most complex, it's the most complex biochemical location on the planet. Like human bodies are, yeah, whatever, but soil, that's where it's at. And um, the... It is. It's a living skin. It, I love when I know you're a geologist, Marissa, oh, and, yeah, I am. <laughs> and soil is soil is the end point of, for all geology. It's really. part of the cycle. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It it's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. What about you, Rich? I, uh, to be honest, I was snared by this fellow here <laughs> <laughs> as I went through uh, rural science in my undergrad, and um, yeah, look, I, I saw the light. Uh, I saw wow, soils is amazing. But you know what's even better? And, and that's the stuff that grows in the soil. Um, ah. You can't mm-hmm. eat dirt. <laughs> actually, so, actually, children do. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, you could. <laughs> so uh, so my paradigm consumes your paradigm, Chris. Um, plants are awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, I became an agronomist. I went out in, into the real world for a bit and um, grew, grew some crops, um, advised growers on how what they were up to. And then came back, got sucked back into uh, some soil chemistry, to be perfectly honest. Okay, so um, so what kind of research do you guys do now? So how does it work research-wise? Sure. So, look, um, I'm really interested in what's the interaction between soils and plants. It's not exclusively plants, but, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's that's cool. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, at the moment, one of the projects we're playing with is trying to fix up some subsoils so we can grow bigger crops. Uh-huh. Um, so, soils form, they're not just six inches. That's a, that's a big chunk of where, where all the action is. Um, some of the best soils in the in the top six inches, um, but particularly in Australia, we don't get that much rainfall. It's mm-hmm. kind of like Mars. Um, <laughs> we, we don't get that much rainfall, uh, and so we need to really in Australia we need to store the water that we do get over the whole season 
amplify that up into about six months and then we grow a crop on that six months. So we store the water in the bottom part of our soil profile, make this, the whole soil profile wet and then release that all in one big go so we can grow a proper crop. Oh. Um, and so we're playing with some subsoil constraints where the bottom part of that profile is not doing the job for us. Um, and oh, so, really? yeah, yeah, it's all about um, drought resilience. It's all about using water more efficiently and, and accessing the water that we do hit on the paddock. Mm. So are you guys doing experiments in the field or are you doing it in the lab or both? Oh, both. Both, it's, okay. We, we like working in the lab because we've got a bit more control. Oh, yeah. But farmers work in the real world and so we apply our amendments at scales that even Mark Watney would be a little bit traumatised by. Um, we apply it at scale and put 20 tonne of organic material. I see. Half a metre deep in the profile. Half a metre deep I in the see. profile. There's massive engineering challenges and, and to so that. And we'll see what happens. You know, and then monitor. we grow crops and we oh, go, wow. far out, look at that. Um, that actually worked. And <laughs> I, I, Well, quite <laughs> frankly, I'm a sceptic at heart and, and I didn't think that those amendments would actually do what they've done. And so the the advantage of having an unexpected result is that uh, farmers want to know more and yeah. the research funders are happy to... That's what we like. ...get you to sort it out. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. And so I had a question about um, future challenges for soils because I guess you're in the space where um, you're producing crops to support people in the future and we're always going to have more and more people to feed. Do you think about soils being the sort of the, the most important part of that? Like how do you how do we sort of make sure that we have future soils that will feed our planet? Yeah, um, soils is critical to <laughs> to life. Um, there's a there's a phrase everyone everyone would be familiar with potentially, particularly as a geologist, uh, peak oil. Um, uh, yes, you're familiar yeah. with peak oil. Well, peak oil is like mm, whatever you know. It's it's a pointless. It's a pointless little peak soil is what we're actually on about. And uh, soil scientists have actually... It's a real constraint. Because, because well, like oil, it's like a, soil a limit, is a, a... limiting factor, right? It's what well, you're talking about. It's a non-renewable resource. Indeed. Everyone yeah. thinks mm-hmm. that, well, there's rock everywhere and if we just keep on raining on it, it'll weather and produce more and more soil. But the loss of that really good six inches at the top is is really quite terminal for that agricultural production. That is actually fascinating production. and I hadn't quite appreciated that. It's actually a thing. I mean, we, <laughs> we do produce more soil, but the rate at which we produce it is so infinitesimally small mm-hmm. and the amount that we lose is a problem. We're, we're actually going backwards because we can't produce it fast enough. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And, and you, so yeah. on, to, on top of that, we've got a burgeoning population, as you say. Yeah. We've got a responsibility to feed those people or a need to feed those people and we're starting to hit our genetic limits. Um, in, in some of our crop species, we, we, we've come a really long way. We had a green revolution that made all the difference in the world, but we're starting to see some of those rates plateau. of increase mm-hmm. plateau. Wow. We, we can't just keep doing this in, uh, infinitely. Um, and so we've got a challenge. Uh, the agricultural industry has a challenge. We've, we've, we've got to increase our production substantially in the very mm. short space of time to keep everyone fed. That's a, I had a question here about how to remediate poor soils, but I think that's probably a silly question. It's probably more about how do you actually make a soil in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's actually a really hard question. There has been scientists working on that for yeah, decades yeah. trying to figure out how to make soil. It's really hard. It's really well, hard. I mean, I'm a geologist. I think, well, you know, you can it's weather some easy. rocks and then yeah, plants yeah, grow on it. Just get, get some lichen on there and yeah, yeah, grind it up. Yeah, well, it, so, need, it needs life. Mm, okay, yeah. that's, okay. The, that's the key thing. And so 
if you think about Mars and Martian soil, it it sits back in the pre pre Cambrian, mm-hmm. like you you'd know about all of the different geological ages. Mm-hmm. Mars is way way colder than pretty much anywhere on this planet, and it does not have life and it's basically in stasis. You you, you right. haven't had, they haven't had soil form on Mars. Technically, there is no soil on Mars. It's all really crushed, fine rock. Yep. It's regolith. Like a powder. I it's guess. a powder. Yeah. Um, so they have their little dust storms like in the yeah. movie and um, probably, I don't know that they're that aggressive that they would push over the anyway so we're going <laughs> we're, we're going in different directions there but um it's very hard to make soil the the rate at which we produce soil naturally just by rainfall filtering through the soil decomposing and and the acids weathering the rock that's maybe oh, one to five millimeters not even that in australia Half, it's less than one millimeter a year. less than one millimeter wow. a year but one big storm event on unprotected, unconserved soil can wash three or four centimetres away. Oh. And it's not just three or four centimetres of soil. Oh, yeah, the profile's 1.2 metres deep. We've lost a few centimetres. Whatever. It's actually, that's the best oh, three centimetres. good stuff. That's so when, the when good plants stuff. Plants again. Plants again. <laughs> yeah. when, when, We're going when, back. Our plants, <laughs> when our plants grow, they take a whole bunch of nutrients from the deep down in the profile. And then they grow leaves on the top. Yep. And so, and then when those leaves break down, they leave that nutrient right up at the surface, mm-hmm. which is the vulnerable bit. So it's a bit scary from oh, a nutrition perspective. I see. Yeah. yeah. So in Australia, I know we have those really huge dust storms, mm. right? And they seem to be exacerbated by, is that poor land management where you have this sort of lots of exposed, lots of exposed surface and dry it's exacerbated by poor management, sure. Yeah. Um, is there, that is, right? there is a certain extent that, you know, middle of a drought, 2019, yeah. it's really hard to maintain ground cover no matter what you do, no matter no matter how early you get your stock off and all of that sort of stuff. So, I mean, Australians, Australia's climate is a, is a tough, yeah, know, it's a hard tough one. beast to wrangle. Um, and so it can, it can just be climatic conditions and a yep. whole bunch of stuff where it's just out of everybody's hands. Um, but ma- good management absolutely plays a big role uh, in mitigating some of those losses. Yeah. I was I was actually out at Broken Hill in 2019 when the dust storm yeah. came. We drove through it yeah. and then drove out the other side of it and looked back at it like it was a huge tidal wave. Wow. And um, I just thought, you know, the immense aeolian processes that are moving all of that material and i wondered where does it go like it, it must go to new zealand, new zealand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that why it's so lush over there they've got all our topsoil no it's lush over there because new zealand is essentially one big chain of volcanic mm-hmm. volcanic rocks really so it's got some soil. beautiful really volcanic young rocks well, and young okay yeah that's all the reason australia is the reason why australian soil scientists are the best on the planet is because we work with the oldest and most degraded soils because some parts of the Australian landscape are nearly 3 billion Billions. years old, yeah. whereas New Zealand is just a piddling 10,000. Our, our very, it's very true. best soils just in young. Australia is that sort of volcanic soil. Basalt. So, like, yeah. around here, I have a lot of... We, we've got a lot of basalts around the tablelands as well. Oh, and it's little got, patches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, um, does that translate into really nice... That's good. It's yeah, the best soil. Yeah. And the key thing is phosphorus. Uh-huh. Um, basalt, as, as you would know, basalt has a slightly higher... Uh, natural phosphorus content mm-hmm. compared with most other rocks and phosphorus is pretty much the most limiting nutrient 
for agriculture. That's why yeah. they had superphosphate bounties and things like that. And so on basalt soils, when they weather, they naturally have higher phosphorus fertility compared with uh, granite and sediments and, and, and metamorphics and, and things like that. So. And circling back to the the life in the soil, um, mm. what kinds of things are you talking about? Is it mi- like microbial life, fungi? Help so so just to put here. this in perspective, um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's one that gets bandied around a lot, but in, in a teaspoon of soil, there's more different types of microorganisms than the number of people who have ever lived on Earth. Oh, the diversity love it. is phenomenal. <laughs> oh. um, it is such a rich, it's, a, it's one of the most biodiverse, um, you know, uh, biospheres uh, in, on the planet. Um, it, yeah. It's crazy. Um, the number of fungi and, and bacteria and everything. And that's essential, I guess, to creating Absolutely healthy soils? Absolutely critical. It changes the water dynamics. It changes how uh, how the water moves through the soil mm-hmm. uh, and whether it moves through the soil. Yep. Um, it actually, nerding out, sorry, I'll, I'll come down in a sec. <laughs> but microbes actually re-engineer the structure of the soil. They Like tiny, tiny little single-celled organisms, they change the structure of how the soil works. So not just water movement, mm. but um, but so gas movement and how easy it is for roots to penetrate. And then they do a massive job for us in terms of cycling nutrition. So when those leaves on the surface break yep. down, it's the microbes that are doing the heavy lifting there. Right. Yeah. And so I guess this feeds into why the Martian won't work, right? Is that what's – because we're missing that – population of microorganisms that would do all that work for us. Is I'm that what's happening? Oh, I need to caveat this. The Martian's awesome. Right? No, I just want to say straight up, it's an awesome movie. It's a great book. It's an even better book. I love it. I've seen it it's, more than 20 times. Yes. Oh, so really? It's a, it's, a really, it's a really cool thing. And, and the science almost works. And yep. that's what's so awesome about it is it inspires people. They go, wow, that's really cool. I wish I could do that in MacGyver style. Um, <laughs> totally, totally get that, right? Um, but when you start looking at it a little closer, <laughs> most of it breaks. It's <laughs> ah, such a shame. I know it's totally no, but it's great and it's really yeah. it's really cool. Even in the classroom, you can yep. you can bring that in and go, hey, what's wrong with this picture? Um, and so you're right, you've zeroed right in on on the microbial story. That is really important. And um, but is it not just a case that we can like bring some microbes to Mars, perhaps? And you know, if we were going to do something like terraforming in the future, people are always talking about maybe we can live on Mars. If we could transport some of these microbes, could that work? Okay, so that's that's a really interesting. I mean, I've watched plenty of sci-fi, and that is exactly <laughs> how they do it in the science fiction. It it, it totally works. Um, yeah, no, but. <laughs> the, the difference um, with trying to terraform a planet like that is the conditions are so much different to the mm. ones that we've got here. The, the bugs that are in the soil, there's, there's redundancy, phenomenal redundancy. But basically, the bugs that are dominant right now, and, and that changes, it's a, it's a dynamic thing. The bugs that are dominant right now are selected for this condition. So parking them up, it's not just a matter of just you know putting in a, bo- a boom spray, a Martian boom spray, we'll whack out a magic brew and, and the next <laughs> thing you know, the whole place is green and lush, there's rainforests and birds and, you know, it, it doesn't quite work like that because um, the conditions on Mars are just so different. Yeah, and very are. harsh, I imagine, yeah, too. absolutely. The, yeah. the, the temperature factor as well oh, and yeah. exposure. There's no atmosphere. <laughs> the been like... radiation yeah. is, is <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy high. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the plans for um, for what NASA or, you know, what people are planning to sort of do up there, it's all about underground because oh. you just cannot protect yourself. You can't shield yourself from the radiation enough. It's like 10 minutes later, you know, 
We've got a, we've got a problem. He's, he's dead from cancer. It's not not <laughs> yes, starvation. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the sun the sun came up with his the antenna through his stomach and, and he's already dead, you know, like yeah. the, the radiation's gonna get him. So um, they're gonna live in underground shelters yeah. and, and the the challenge is Mars is further away from the sun. Mm. So there's less light. Yep. And So that's a deal breaker for mine. That's yes, a deal breaker. Absolutely. Straight up, um, we don't have enough light for plants. Right. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah. So you'd have to provide some artificial light, yeah. I suppose, to and grow anything. The, the the logistics on that are fascinating. Oh. So even with, you know, top of the line LED lights um, running as hot as you can with a massive solar farm behind it, we're going to need solar farms that are football field size to, to grow for one person. The efficiency from converting sunlight on Mars through to LED lights is about seven percent. Oh no! So, so turning <laughs> so turning Martian sunlight oh. into sunlight for plants oh. efficiency is just not there. Oh, we're in trouble. We're, we're yeah. in we're a little bit of trouble. Oh, and no, so good. so then you know in the movie, come on, I don't, I don't want to break it, but in the movie they put a little little hab up. Yeah, they call it a hab, right? Yeah. Um, it's a little shade house. Yeah, yeah. Half of it's shaded. The rest of it's growing these amazing potatoes. Yep. That are just, just to be perfectly honest, they're grown in a glass house in far too high a density. That's, okay. <laughs> that's not real. <laughs> that's not how potatoes grow. So. Quick, shoot the movie before they die. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, with a little tiny bit of light and, and for him to be hanging out in there with no protection whatsoever, yeah. the radiation has cooked those plants already. I see. Um, and yeah, him yeah. too, I would and, say. And, yeah, and so. mutated them. So that <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They would be... Yeah. They're yeah, like the upset. eyes might become eyes, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Just watch till they grow mouths, and then that gets really scary. Yeah, right. yeah. That'd be a cool movie. I mean, I'd watch that. <laughs> watch that <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but look, Andy Weir, um, the author of The Martian, yeah. like it's just genius. Yeah, it is. And it is. and I I've read the book multiple times as well, and the book the some of the script in the movie. Just he just they just lift straight oh, out of the book. It's like word for word because he's really good. Uh, and I love his how other much two you guys love are... this movie and the book. Like, oh, it's... <laughs> classic stuff. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I just listened to um, his latest book, Hail Mary, on Audible, and uh, it's even more out there. But it has that same question about microbes and environments in space and yep. how they're going to adapt. And I won't give away the plot, but it's just. You're just listening to it and you're just going, oh, that is just so cool. And the way his brain works is yeah. fascinating. It's wrong, but <laughs> it's still just close enough but to be that's plausible. That's what, sci- what good science fiction is. Oh, yes, like, you know, it's got to have, it's got to be realistic enough mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. really get you, you, you know. But also, you know, don't... Check some of the science at the door. That's fine. That's yeah. right. It's, it's fiction, right? But a lot of science fiction as well is really future-looking. You know, there are a lot of mm. things that were predicted in science fiction a long time ago. Well, that weren't even predictions. It was just fantasy then, right? And mm. now we kind of see these inventions. And so I sort of wonder sometimes, you know, they, they're they thinking out of the box. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just a matter of time before people catch up. To be honest, there is an awful lot of science going on right now where people are, are trying to get there. Um, yeah. we, we're nowhere near growing potatoes on Mars. Um, yeah, right. We're, we're, yeah. we're growing tiny, tiny little plants. Um, Arabidopsis is one of our, you know, white mice. Um, for, yep. Yep, mm-hmm. for uh, the equivalent in, in the plant world. We've grown, few, grown a bit of that up there. Um, some dwarf well, not, weeds. Not on Mars. Just no, 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 in space. Yeah, space. Sorry, in space. Yeah, yeah. Space plants. Uh, and okay, so, space yeah, plants. No, space plants. Um, so we're, we're, starting, we're starting that process. But we're yeah. really early days. I mean, even gravity. There's, there's no 
gravity up there, right? Like very, very little gravity <laughs> yeah. up there. How in, do plants in space? Well, where in do space their roots, there's very little. How do they know even, where their roots go? Like, exactly. Oh, this is a, this is an open question, <laughs> and it actually changes thinking... the suite of proteins that the plants produce oh. when they don't have gravity. And oh, so, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really mm. kind of. There's a whole bunch of things we take for granted here mm. um, in agriculture, and and it's practical. But um, you go and park it on a different planet, and it changes all the rules. Yeah, well, I think there's only thirty eight percent of Earth's gravity yeah. on mm. Mars. Okay, right. And so sixty percent of their sunlight. Um, yeah. So that there's all sorts of things change. Yeah, I wonder if it's just a, like all, all of these um, science fiction ideas about transporting something Earth-like to Mars. We would have to park that at the door, perhaps. You know, probably the system, a workable system, would look absolutely completely different. You know, and I, maybe we haven't even worked well, the out way, what it could be. Yeah, the way NASA's thinking about food on Mars or food in space is, I don't think they're even remotely thinking about using Martian soil. Because, okay. well, for all sorts of reasons, you'd have to come on Thursday night for all sorts of reasons. Yep. It's pretty toxic. But um, they are using hydroponics and yep. and substrates that can mimic soil effectively so the roots have something to ramify through and you can things. create microbial yeah. mats in, in oh, cool. zeolite and different I love compounds. Mats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't everyone? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so one of the funky things when you when you have water in in space, it just clumps together. Oh, you, you, like you can drown in a bag of water. It, it like it just feel, it, yeah it, yeah. It, it forms a glove around your hand. Put it that way. Right. So if the roots are there and oh. and you water them, it, it they can't breathe. Oh, I see. <laughs> so you it need drowns that. them. You, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, so wow. you need that matrix to, to give them air in. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like a snorkel. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have one last question. I think we've gotten through this um, so great. Like, I've loved this conversation so much. But I have one last question for you guys, and I don't know if we've kind of answered it already, but if, if you were in Matt Damon's position, <laughs> if you were astronauts stranded on Mars, what do you think that you would do to try and survive or make your own food? Is it possible or maybe maybe not after our, our, our conversation? <laughs> oh, look, I, I don't think NASA would consider me astronaut material. Um <laughs> I was I was thinking about this and I was chatting with my wife who's a doctor and and I asked her about whether it was even possible to pull that antenna out and have just that little I've only seen that bit of the movie once. <laughs> they should have had a warning on that. But um, so quite frankly, if I, I've got the antenna through my gut and uh, I'm already dead, so <laughs> I can't pull that out without passing out. And so soil scientist, botanist, extraordinaire, agronomist. It would all be a moot point. I would have died uh, with the antenna. <laughs> Richard, though, he's pretty tough. Tough stuff. So I, ask him how I, he I would have I may have survived the antenna. Yep. I may have survived yep. the antenna. You would, have, you would have survived the antenna. But I would have been thanking my lucky stars for that extra pudding at Christmas because that's the only thing that's getting me through. <laughs> yeah, look, tough, tough call. And with no resources. I mean, that's the thing. Is it that if you, if you went in planning for it, yeah. you, you could set stuff up. Um, to, to sort of get you there. And it would be really challenging, but you could sort of set stuff up. Going there trying to improvise. That's, MacGyver style. MacGyver style is a tough call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's a hard... Well, come along on Thursday night yep. and we can, we can chat about it. Absolutely. Richard can talk about just converting sunlight into Food. carbohydrate mm. and how that would actually work and mm-hmm. how that would work on Mars. And I can talk about whether... 
whether a handful of poo is enough to grow a potato. Um, the, the Such tantalising questions that you will only find the I, I, answers only to only on Thursday answer. night. Thursday night. That's right. <laughs> Can you grow potatoes in poo? Um, it's the it's the million dollar question. It is. It is. Okay, thank you so much, Chris and Rich. Um, that was a wonderful conversation and we'll see you on Thursday for The Martian. Sounds great. No worries. Cheers. Yep.